Don Gabriel is a group practice owner, consultant, and host of the Soul Care for Therapists podcast. She is passionate about helping mental health therapists take a deeper look into their spirituality and faith while creating sustainable practices and lifestyles. Dawn believes that therapists need their own sacred place to slow down and let go of all they hold in in order to continue the transformative work with others, which is why she offers retreats and community groups to do just that. Often, you can find Dawn reading a book with a cup of chai, having deep conversation over a glass of wine, or hiking a trail with her husband and two boys, who all love living and adventuring in Colorado. Hi, I'm Casey, and right here beside me is Kelsey. We are licensed professional counselors, mothers, entrepreneurs, oh, and besties. We know firsthand what it's like to wake up one day and think, how in the heck did I wind up here? Through our own journeys of self-discovery, we found that joy is something that has to be pursued through internal work. Now we are on a mission to help women from all walks of life understand themselves more so they can have real lasting joy. Join us every Thursday to hear fun and insightful interviews with experts who can point you toward self-discovery and fulfillment. Welcome, everybody, to the show. We have a great guest today that I've heard about and seen you on social media for a while now. And then I got to meet you in person at Meet You in Kentucky last year. So we just want to welcome you, Dawn, to our podcast. We are so happy that you're here. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> Can you tell us, the listeners, just a little bit about yourself? Sure. So my name's Don Gabriel, and I have been a therapist for, gosh, 18 years now. And about eight and a half years ago, I started my own group practice. And a few years ago, I started more in the consulting world, providing soul care for therapists. I realized especially after COVID, just the high burnout rate and how much we don't take care of ourselves. And so I started really digging deep, did like a whole year before I launched it of really figuring out like what's really important and how can we get dive deeper into our own stuff so that we can be more present and helpful to others. So yeah, I do retreats, I do consulting, I do sacred space community groups. Tell me about like when you got started or what pushed you or propelled you forward. You you said COVID, but was there something where you're like, this is such a need and I need to provide this service? Yeah, actually, probably like anyone, you go through your own stuff. So I would say eight, nine years ago, my mom died of cancer. And that was a long four-year battle. But especially the last year, if anyone has ever lost someone to cancer, you know how horrific it can be. And at that point, I only had one kid. And after someone dies, you know, you kind of review your life. And I realized I want to have a second kid. That's when I decided I was going to do a group practice. So it's a little crazy the year after someone dies, but I'm Enneagram three. So it's easier for me to do stuff than sit and grieve, even though, yeah, even though I did grieve, but it was, I did a lot of work too, but that burned me out. So I opened a group practice. I had a second baby. It was about two years after that. I was like, this does not feel good. Like I almost hate everyone. I was just burned out, but also grief and trauma and just everything was catching up to me. And when you're a therapist, when a group practice owner, you're taking care of everyone else. And as a mom of young kids, I mean, there's like nothing left. And I started doing like the regular stuff, like go to therapy, do my coping skills, massages, whatever. And the the regular self-care didn't work. And so I kind of went back to my roots of faith, but deeper, like this isn't going to be like a prosperity gospel thing where 
I do this, God gives me this. And so I started digging in and I found something called spiritual direction and soul care. So I went on this thing called a soul care day and it was up in the mountains at this beautiful cabin and it was just a day and they had two spiritual directors there and they read from the Bible, which I I have a theology degree. So I know the Bible like in my head, but this was more of an experiential like meditation exercise. And he, so he read the story and asked us to do this meditation with it. And during that meditation, I just... I just felt like I experienced God in a different way. And I was sobbing and I could not stop crying. It was so personal. And then later you have time to just walk in the mountains and you have solo time. So I was walking and they had a prayer labyrinth, which I don't know if you guys have done a labyrinth, but it's like a big, huge maze made of rocks. And you walk in kind of contemplating something and you walk out and it's it's a meditative experience. And so in there, I sat down in the middle. And I felt like I could feel my mom there and God. And it was just so overwhelming. And I was talking to my mom. I mean, not a ghost. I don't believe in ghosts, but it was just so personal. And I was like, what is happening? After I left, I was like, wow, I brought, I was brought up really conservative Christian. And I was like, we don't like, was that real? And I'm like, I don't care if it was real or not. It was real to me. I don't care what anyone says. And so that's what started me on there's more out there than my traditional what I've learned growing up or what people have learned at churches. I'm like, this is real to me. This was more experiential spirituality. And so that's what started me on diving in on more profound change. I love that. Yeah, I think... Okay, so I mean, the way that I'm seeing it, it's kind of twofold. One, you know, because I work in this therapy industry, this, this in healthcare type world. And I see people sacrificing their soul in a lot of ways to grow their businesses. Like they're literally giving it all away so that they can put every ounce of everything they have into a business and and everyone does it for different reasons. So they say, you know, some, some are wanting money. And so Kelsey was actually asking me this, when was this yesterday or day before mm-hmm. she was listening to the podcast episode that we recorded with Patrick Casal and listening to that, my timeline where I was talking about starting my business and, and whatnot. And you asked me if I thought I would be as successful as I was or as I got to be if I would not have been in a certain relationship. And I realized like kind of when she was asking that, when I was going to start my business and, and going all in there, I wasn't doing it for money. I was doing it to prove something. I had something to prove. Of course, I wanted stability and you know all of that. But like I literally wasn't thinking about the money. It was just like, I've been in a really bad place. I've done things that I wish I wouldn't have done. I've got something to prove to others, but to myself. But through that whole experience, I I know what you're saying, because I feel like I lost part of, of me. And then I see it happening with a lot of my consulting clients, and they don't even realize it, just like I didn't even realize it until you wake up one day and you're just like, what is going on? Like, I feel nothing. Are you tired of running to the lobby to see if your next appointment has arrived? 
Would you like a more discreet, stress-free way for your clients to check in? Take a deep breath. The receptionist for iPad empowers your practice to create a zen-like check-in experience. This episode is sponsored by The Receptionist for iPad. It's the highest rated digital check-in software for therapy and behavioral health offices used by thousands of practitioners across the country. The Receptionist for iPad is a simple and expensive way to allow your clients to discreetly check in, to notify providers of a patient's arrival, and to ensure your front lobby is stress-free. The software sends an immediate notification to the therapist when a client checks in and can even ask if any patient information has changed since their last visit. Start a 14-day free trial of The Receptionist for iPad by going to thereceptionist.com slash besties. And when you do, you'll also get your first month free when you sign up. It's like getting towards this end of the road and waking up and being like, why don't I feel anything? And what am I doing here? Yeah. Yeah. And there so has I, to be more. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. There has to be more. And so I see it that way. And then I see it too, from just women, just a woman's perspective. Uh, they do the exact same thing, even if they're not a business owner, even if they're a mom or a wife or whatever, they're so programmed and hardwired to sacrifice. I almost think that we feel like we're not doing enough if we don't feel that pain. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, Oh yeah. So it is something about women. Yeah. Everything you're saying kind of resonates with me in that way, because I think people are experiencing something similar to what you experienced eight years ago, regardless of if they're therapist or if they're business owner or, or if they're a mom or just a woman. I get a little hesitant to talk about spirituality, but I did not come from any religious background at all. I kind of did that self-discovery in like my early 20s and was like, oh, like I could experience this and this is this is great. Did you get any like backlash because you come from a conservative background and trying something different? Did you get any backlash in that area? I, I had to work through that myself. I had deconstructed my faith in my 20s and feel like I constantly deconstruct and reconstruct. And as a therapist, I feel like you can't sit with people in pain and not ask the hard questions about spirituality and God. And also as a therapist, I don't think I can, at least I can't judge people for whatever. Like you have to just create a lot of open space. And so I had done a lot of that work, but when I was going public, just like probably you guys, when you actually launch a podcast that talks about it, because my first year of my podcast was called Faith Fringes and it was about deconstructing. I was terrified. And yeah. and then I realized like, you can't, like, I'm going to, people are going to hate me. People are going to love me. And then there's going to be people in the middle, but you can't, I had to let that go. And I had to work yeah. through that because some people, like, I don't care if I get backlash from the conservatives, I, that's not my audience. And I don't want any part of that. But I mean, it depends. People will be attracted to your message if they're your ideal person anyway. And so I had to really dive into that, but it took me a while. I was more nervous because my dad listened to like every single podcast and I was like, crap, I need to like, I got to man up and talk to my dad about some things. And so it was actually really healing and good. And we had some great discussions and it went way better than I thought. But um, as far as like therapists, I feel like there was no backlash. It was more, 
Because I mean, therapists are my main audience now. I think they love it because also on the other side, depending on where you're at, like sometimes it's not okay to talk about spirituality either. So it's kind of like both. I love that you just went for it. I think that's because putting that out there, I mean, that is, I mean, it's like talking about politics in a lot of ways. Some people get all tore up about it. I'm always just in for to listen and observe and, and learn. That's my goal in life. When it comes to spirituality, religion, anything of that nature. Yeah. My first retreat that I did, I kind of did a beta test, soul care retreat for therapists. I invited people I knew and I actually had, it was fascinating. I had some people who came from a Christian background, some from a Catholic. I had a Buddhist there. I had a Mormon there. It was fascinating. And we were open and talked about it. And it was more about how they experienced their own spirituality. It wasn't my beliefs or my theology even, it was me creating space for them to experience their own spirituality. And it was beautiful and healing. And then I had someone who had like spiritual religious abuse from Christian too. And I had two there like that. And they were like, this was so healing because there was no talk of theology or judging. And it was just so awesome. So I just want to say I've learned a lot through it too. I could ride for something like that. I would love to experience something like that. Yeah. She cracks me. I'm distracted now because when she said I could ride for something like that, I have to, I'm old. I could ride for something like that. Okay. Yeah. It took me a minute to process. I love it. Yeah. I always say ridiculous stuff on this podcast. I'm just It's so fun. Then it's like forever out there. Well, anyone that's like maybe my age or older, they're they're gonna understand where I'm coming from. And if they're your age or younger, they're gonna be like, Yeah, she's you know, she's ridiculous. they're gonna ride with that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so what I was going to say, religious trauma, like you you kind of alluded to that a little bit. And I think that it wasn't until recently anyway that I heard of that coin phrase even. I'm wondering if we haven't really talked a lot about religious trauma on here. And I don't mean to get into it in depth or anything, but so many people experience that. And I think when they hear words like spirituality and faith, it's a trigger point for them. So I'm just wondering, like, what's your experience with that? It's actually my favorite. When I was seeing clients, that's like one of my favorite types of clients, because you get to just hold space for them to be pissed at God and to ask the hard questions and to really heal because a lot of times it's there's no safe place to do it. Especially if someone wants to hold on to some spirituality or religion, they, they're they so confused or they want to totally reject it. Like they need safe spaces to talk about it. And so I just get really passionate about that because... Whether you believe it or not, we all have a spiritual side to us. And whatever your belief is, there's still that part of us. Like we still have souls. (laughs) And if we're not dealing with it, that's a part of ourselves we're not dealing with. And so with religious trauma, I personally even experienced some, not a huge level, but on some level in my 20s, I went to a small conservative, I was in a small conservative town and I went through a divorce and it was pretty public because all small towns are for some reason. and. I mean, people were like coming up to me saying like, well, who filed for the divorce? Because that's the sinner, the the more sinner. Or like, what happened? And I was like, it's none of your business. <laughs> like, and But everybody wanted to know. And people would leave like a book in my 
par, like the power of a praying wife, as if I didn't pray enough, or it was just like, I know when you go through hard times, you don't need people judging you at that extent. And I could go on and on just little things like that to big things like other abusive acts. Like it is a very real thing. And there's people who need to create space for that. So I think for some people, that's where the shame and the guilt starts, especially if they want to hold on to like their spirituality, their religious beliefs, because they're thinking, is it me? And that's where the shame and the guilt starts with some of that religious trauma that I see with some of my clients, because they're trying to figure out they don't want to knock down the whole house of cards, right, of their religious mm-hmm. values and beliefs, but they want to take pieces of it and it's like pulling all the cards down, basically. But that's where the shame and guilt starts a lot of the times. So. Yeah. And we are in a small conservative community and speaking as a therapist and just as a, a female in this small town, I've experienced religious trauma myself to the point where, like, I've never really talked about this, but... I think it's important because there are so many people that are experiencing it and some of them are therapists, but I remember a point of something that happened with me in church. I'll just say it. Like I was pregnant and I was in a relationship, pregnant on accident, wasn't on purpose. We were very active in the church and this was a church that was supposed to be very open and we were asked to not come back to that church. We were asked to go to a church in a different town. And while so many people may hear that and be like, well, I mean, whatever, that's not that big of a deal. I had finally gotten to a place where I trusted the church again. You know, like I was very invested and very much participating and got to the point where I trusted the church and and believed that, okay, this is the one for me because they are very open-minded. They don't judge, you know, people who are poor, rich, whatever that, you know, everyone's welcome here kind of thing. And then when this happened, it was almost just like all of it was a lie. And a punch in the gut. Yeah. And and like, they were too ashamed of me. Like I couldn't be there because I was going to have a belly and like, that would be embarrassing to the, I don't know. It was just, I lost it, like lost my mind, lost it. Well, and not to mention that was one of the worst pregnancies that you have had because you were bedridden and you were alone. High risk. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I had no support. So when the church basically fund me, I really just wanted to kill myself. I did. I thought about it lots. I had absolutely no support, nobody through the whole thing, nobody. Mm. So yeah, like I'm one of the people that, that the spirituality, I feel like I'm a very spiritual person, but I'm kind of like a rebel when it comes to religion because it's not safe. In some places, it's not safe. It's not that God, and I never blamed God. It wasn't like a a God thing for me. Luckily, my belief in God was always there. It was my belief in the people that promoted God that. Yes, same. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so sad. I hear those stories over and over again and have experienced it myself. Like, it's so sad. Like, if you really dive into the teachings of God and Jesus, he was not like that at all. Like he was very welcoming of people wherever they were at. And so that's what makes me so mad that churches have turned it into judgment. And you needed people during that time. That makes me so mad. I'm sorry. And people from small towns think that's the only option. 
too. Mm-hmm. Like they, mm-hmm. they don't know that there's other experiences out there for them to support the spiritual journey that they're on. And where we live, it's not uncommon for clients, you know, to share with us as therapists in our practice that they are going through a divorce and the church has made them stand up as a woman in front of the congregation and share all the details of their marriage in order to continue to be accepted. It gives me chills all the way up my arm. Yeah. I'm like clenching my fist right now. (laughs) So mad. I remember a church where I was standing and they had a person stand up and share that she was pregnant. And while, and I was like, I went up to the pastor and I was like, I want to see all of the other people stand up and share their sins. Like, this is not okay. And I left the church because I'm like, I will not stand for this. Like, it's not okay. Why is this woman having to stand up there? Like, we all should then. Like, yeah. yeah. And I mean, of course, there's good that comes out of it. We had a pastor out of Danville, Kentucky, that I that I'll never, you know, I'll never forget the kindness and grace and courtesy that he showed after hearing about what had happened. Of like, hey, come here, like we want. Oh, that's you. wonderful. And that was like an hour away, but that's what I did. I drove there as much as I could, and and so there's there's really good, kind people that practice what they preach. And so I'm not trying to make blanket statements here, but I think those things impact our our soul. And like Kelsey was saying, we carry around this shame and this guilt. And even though that I knew what was happening to me was wrong, it didn't make me feel any less shame or guilt. Mm. And in that kind of role, so many people, I notice it more and more here lately, like as, as a parent, even when I was growing up, like when you get in trouble, <laughs> I'm so disappointed in you. Like you should be ashamed of yourself, like that kind of thing. <laughs> I have to like really be careful for those things not to come out of my mouth now as a parent, because I don't want to shame my child into changed behavior. Like that is not yeah. a way. And I think that religion, that's how they convert in a lot of ways. And it's, it, it does feel good. Yeah, definitely not. I think always just recognizing like some of these things that we've talked about today are not okay. So if you have experienced them, just acknowledge that experiencing that or people treating you that way is not okay. And I think a lot of people think it, oh, it's just me or, you know, that's just what they have to do, but it's not okay. And there are people out there, like there are therapists that have experienced the same thing and that help people navigate that. And like you said, Dawn, like that was your favorite client to work with was just being able to provide that safe and open space for them. And like, there's so many there. I I cannot even tell you how many group practice clients that I have worked with since 2017 that are wounded in this way. Now that I see it, because, you know, there were many years where I didn't even see it myself. But now that I see it, It's very common for me who I'm sitting here working with these consulting clients talking about their systems and their organizational structure and their processes and all these things to say, hey, you know what? You need to go. You need to go take care of yourself. Go get you some vitamin patches. Take a vacation. Go somewhere. Go get a cabin. Go do something and and get back to you. Because without caring for that soul that we have, I think the business part it's just too hard. That soul part is what keeps us going. Yeah. And I think it's easier 
to focus on trying to control systems, but that only goes so far. And then as therapists, we are even better. We have an extra layer of we teach people coping skills. So we can fake it to ourselves even that we're taking care of it and we're naming the false beliefs and we're doing the COVID. And like, it's like a whole nother level that I call bullshit to uh, usually to my consulting clients. Like, no, this isn't going to work or fly here. We got to go deeper. Uh-huh. Well, I really love that you're doing the work that you're doing and I just can't say enough. Well, and I keep circling back to the deconstruct and reconstruct. Like that really just, it makes so much sense when I think about my own spiritual beliefs and spirituality and like how that journey has been for people. And it's okay to deconstruct those things and then reconstruct them to to your soul. Yeah. And it's a journey. It's not like, I'm going to do this for the next month. It's like a long process. And yeah, I encourage people to get someone to walk alongside them with that, uh, maybe a spiritual director even to help them. Because usually spiritual directors can hold open space as well as therapists. Yeah. Well, I would love to also invite you to do just a little pitch even to, to and maybe answer some questions to what you do in our membership community, because I think I know every single person in their individually. And I know there's struggles and I know that there's so many people that really would thrive working with you in that capacity. I'd love to. Yeah. Let me know. We'll do that. Yeah. All right. All right well, thank you guys. This was so fun. If you're enjoying our podcast and would like to hear more from us, leave us a review wherever you get your podcast so we can keep making great content. Talk to you later, besties.